We've just been away on a really long holiday, uh, three weeks or something more maybe. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, and while away on holidays, uh, someone questioned our five-year-old daughter, Daisy. Are you having a good holiday, Daisy? Daisy was having a lot of wonderful experiences. Good holiday, Daisy? No. We're not doing any craft. I'm a crafty girl, and so far we've done barely anything. Uh, Speaking about her cousins, she said all they want to do is paint rocks. Daisy didn't consider the painting of rocks to be a genuine craft activity. That's how Daisy views herself, or at least she did a few weeks ago. I'm a crafty girl. How do you view yourself? Who are you? Uh, A middle-aged man on the downhill run. There's a few of you here this afternoon in that category. If you're honest with yourself, your body isn't what it used to be. It's true, isn't it? And that might be what the science says. But deeper down than that, who are you? And what do you want about? Now, I don't, I don't know if you have a catchy one-liner like Daisy. I'm crafty to describe your, your motivation for, for getting up in the morning. But I do wonder, are you actually clear on this? How convicted are you of your being and your purpose? Who am I? And what am I on about? And it's probably helpful as well. Well, it is helpful to not just focus on ourselves, though we are very good at doing that. But to broaden it, who are we as a community? Who are we as a local church? And what are we on about? We're looking at this book, Romans, and it should really help us with that. Paul wrote the letter around 57 AD. He's likely writing from Corinth and writing to a people that he had never met. For the next 10 weeks, we're looking at chapters 1 to 8, and we plan to look at the second half of the book uh, later in the year. But, But you just see how Paul introduces himself. They don't know him, so you want to get the intro right, don't you? Who is he? Verse 1, we read, Paul, it's a good start. Paul, a servant, or more literally translated, a slave. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. You just notice that Paul, he fully identifies himself in relation to Christ Jesus, Christ or Messiah, meaning king. Who is he? He may well be a middle-aged man. But his identity is determined by his connection to Jesus. A servant, a slave of King Jesus. And that's just a general description of anyone who trusts and follows Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you have a master. And your master is not the socials or the financials or the comfortable lifestyle. You serve at the pleasure of King Jesus. But notice Paul, he's also got a role, hasn't he? He's also an, an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. And you may know apostle means sent one. And that role, it comes with a certain amount of authority. There were the 12 apostles, those eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and teaching, his death and his resurrection. There was James, the brother of Jesus, and Paul, and that's about it. 
Uh, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. As we devote ourselves to the New Testament today, we don't have apostles anymore. So if you meet someone who thinks they're an apostle, they're likely thinking too much of themselves. Paul was commissioned by King Jesus himself. We saw something of that in Acts chapter 9 last week. Who are you, Paul? A servant, a slave of King Jesus who has been sent by King Jesus with the message of King Jesus. That that word gospel, it means news. It's the message of Jesus. It's not advice to follow. Here are some good ways that you might want to live. But news about what has been done, an event set in history. Yeah, gospel was a technical term in the first century. Uh, if an emperor had, had won victory off here in the battlefield somewhere and securing peace and establishing their authority, the heralds would be sent out across the land with the message, with the gospel. There's a new king on the throne. That's Paul, a herald sent with the announcement, the most wonderful news of all. And Paul, because it's not his message, he's just the herald. He didn't make it up. He's the messenger, a servant that has been sent. Because we do make everything about me, I really love what Tim Keller says on this. He says, we never grasp the gospel until we understand that it is not fundamentally a message about our lives, our dreams, or our hopes. The gospel speaks about and transforms those things, but only because it isn't about us. It's a declaration about God's Son, the man Jesus. From verse 2, we see this gospel, this most wonderful news. It was promised from the prophets of old. There's all that material in what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures pointing forward to the coming of this announcement, the coming of this King Jesus. And verse 3, we see that to do with Jesus' earthly life, he's fully man a descendant of the great King David, that the promise from 2 Samuel chapter 7 that there would be a king on David's throne forever, it's fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Jesus, fully man, a real person like you and I, so he can represent you and I, born in the line of David, but also, verse 4, fully God. You see that? And in verse 4, it's not that Paul is saying Jesus wasn't the Son of God until he rose from death to life, but that his resurrection from the dead affirms his identity. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as you and I might wonder about Paul's motivation for spreading this gospel, well, there must be so many motivators to make this announcement known. There's the reality of the, the coming judgment, the, the concern for people over that, that God being just will one day call absolutely everyone to account. Well, there's a motivator to make him known. And of course, Paul would have had a great desire for people to know that the wonder of, of sins forgiven, 
the great relief. Your sin nailed to the cross. And not only is it sins forgiven, but it's the great exchange. We'll get to that in Romans. We get his righteousness. Peace with God. Right relationship with God. But you see the end of verse 5? The great motivator for the announcement. Why is Paul people calling? Why is Paul calling people to this faith-driven obedience? Well, it's hot. We read, for his namesake. For his namesake. That's for God's glory, for the Lord's reputation. And that is what life and the gospel, the most wonderful news, is primarily about. Not you or me, but him. And can I say this afternoon, if you're someone who doesn't yet trust in Jesus, I hope that as we we read and look at this letter Romans, I hope that as we look at it, which to be honest, we'll have some extremely confronting things to say starting next week, if not this week. You'll want to stop reading. I don't like what you're saying. But I'd love for you to see yourself in that verse 6. You see that? That you also. It was written all these years ago to to these other people, but we apply it to ourselves. uh, That you also among those Gentiles, that is non-Jews, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. It's my prayer that as you hear the announcement, the gospel, the most wonderful news as Paul outlines it for us, that your heart might sing and you come to him. I don't know if Paul was into craft. I'm crafty. He probably was, you know, he made tents. Uh, But his being and purpose was wholly connected to King Jesus. As we wrestle individually and as a community with with who we are and and what we're on about, well, from this passage so far, we might say, well, as God's people, we're slaves of Christ, servants of King Jesus. That's a general description of God's people. So that's us. Okay. But I'm not an apostle commissioned and sent with the announcements. We don't have apostles anymore. Thankful for that. True. Yet Jesus commissioned his church and he sent us to go and make disciples, proclaiming, announcing the most wonderful news, the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so as we, as believers, hear the gospel as Paul outlines it for us over the coming weeks, I hope and pray that our hearts might sing and we be energised yet again perhaps by all that God has done through the God-man Jesus, our King. I, um, I went on one of those study camps when I was in grade 12, a HSC study camp, high school certificate, I don't know if you've heard of these. It was six hours of organised study every day for a whole week. Uh, a whole lot of grade 12 students in a, in a room like this, probably this amount of people. I don't know that I did a lot of study, but sat with books open for a long time. 
Now, I, I went to a really small school. There was 20-something in our year, and so it was exciting meeting all of these people who were my age. And it was particularly exciting to discover that there were other Christians in this group. I remember finding out that a girl just sitting near me was a, was a believer. I think I must have overheard a, a conversation or something, and I got quite excited. Are you a Christian? I said, yes. She said, so am I. Uh, she didn't sit in that spot again uh, after that. Maybe I was too friendly. I, I don't know. It is good, though, isn't it, when you, when you hear of and when you meet other believers There's others out there, all over the globe, other brothers and sisters in Christ. The news of Jesus is continuing to to spread and spread, to bear fruit. Although here in the West, it doesn't always feel that way, does it? In verses 8 to 13, we see something of Paul's joy you see in verse 80, he's praising God for the faith of these, these Roman Christians, their faith in Jesus, which is being reported all over the world. He says he's constantly praying for them in verse 9. He's never even met them. And he's praying for them. He's praying that, that a way might be open for him to visit them. Verse 10, if we consider Paul uh, a model to follow, which he is, follow me as I follow Christ, he, he says elsewhere, what a great thing to be praying for Christians across the globe whom we've never met. I pray for all of you regularly. There's something a little bit selfish in that because I care particularly that this church goes well. It's selfish in a sense, but to pray for a believer across the world, what what a wonderful thing to do. And I really love verse 11 and 12. Don't you love these two verses? I long to see you. Why? So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. You just read that and sit with that. Oh, what's the spiritual gift he's going to impart to them? It sounds special, doesn't it? But then you have to read the next verse because it's a letter. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Don't you reckon that's just gold? This is the Apostle Paul who's been going from place to place, making the the announcement of the most wonderful news, the gospel of God the Son, calling people to come to Christ, And of course, verse 13, you you see, he does want more people to come to faith. He does want a harvest among the Romans when he visits them, but also he's expecting to be encouraged by them. It's beautiful, isn't it? The Christian community, one of mutual encouragement. Do you see things that way? that your trust in Jesus is an encouragement to others. You're all an encouragement to me. Sometimes you're a great concern. (laughs) But 
but a great encouragement to your faith. I've been encouraged lately by, by some of our young adults who've returned from university and to see them going on in their relationship with the Lord. Uh, but not just that, getting really excited about King Jesus and wanting others to do the same. One of them said to me this week, how can we make them get excited about the gospel? We can't make them, but we can pray. It's so encouraging. You come to church on a Sunday afternoon, you should leave here feeling encouraged, encouraged in your faith. If not, there could be a problem. But it's a mutual thing. And so we come along praying, Lord, might I be an encouragement to my church family this afternoon, even if I'm brand new. And as you go to your small group, you go with the same intent that my relationship with the Lord might be beneficial for the faith of others. You see, your faith, it's not all about you. It's for God's glory and for the good of others, for the benefit, for the encouragement, for the progress of this most wonderful news. That's why church can't be a live stream or a podcast or a lazy Sunday afternoon. What a privilege that we might encourage one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, we were away earlier in January and we had Dan visiting with his family and Dan preached on some of Jesus's I am statements. There's seven-ish in John's gospel. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the way, the truth and the life, says Jesus and more. And you notice... Paul has three of his own I am statements. Verse 14, verse 15, and verse 16. Verse 14, I am obligated. Verse 15, I am eager. And verse 16, I am not ashamed. Verse 14, I'll just read that, hey? Uh, I, am the, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. Who's the announcement for? For everyone, the scope is far-reaching. The Greeks and the non-Greeks, the wise and the foolish. I I know that I'm not a Greek. I'm a non-Greek. But wise and foolish, it is harder to categorise, isn't it? Verse 15, the second I am statement. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Because everyone in Rome is either Greek or non-Greek or either wise or foolish. This announcement is for everyone. But why the eagerness or even the single-mindedness from Paul to preach the gospel to the Romans and anyone else for that matter? Because he's a servant, a slave of Christ? Well, in part, yeah, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Well, yes, of course, for God's glory, yes, that great motivator, the sake of his holy name. But you see verse 16, his reasoning there? And this is a great memory verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of 
God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So you memorize that one, don't you? You've got to. (laughs) I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I say to myself when I'm with my non-Christian friends and feeling too timid to speak about my faith, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And you keep that verse running through your mind. It was a key verse for me when we started this church plant however many years ago. It's not advice on how to live, but it's an announcement. The most wonderful news of all. God the Son, born in the line of David, crucified, risen from the dead, winning victory over sin and death. You believe the gospel. You believe this gospel that Paul's going to outline with great clarity for us over the coming weeks and salvation eternal is yours. And you may know some of you that Romans in part triggered this book, Romans, it triggered the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, he was so concerned about God's righteousness, that God is just and Luther so aware of his sinfulness even though he was a devout monk, when he finally understood that verse 17 of chapter 1, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He understood that God's righteousness, right relationship with God is gifted to us through our faith, trusting him and he said then I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise and then Luther wrote a commentary on Romans and John Wesley who was the founder of the Methodist church he heard the intro read out loud out loud and he was converted Romans is a book that has shaped the church Throughout the ages, it's a wonderful outline of the gospel, the most wonderful news. So this afternoon, I just want to encourage you to read it for yourself. Read it and reread it. Memorize parts of it. Keep coming along every Sunday afternoon. And as we hear this announcement together, let's reflect together. Who are we? And what are we on about? Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that as we leave this afternoon, your word might be rattling around in our brains. That we would be a people not ashamed of the most wonderful news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Lord, we praise you that there is a righteousness that we can have as gift from you, that we can approach you through the sacrificial death of Jesus 
and no security now and forevermore. Lord, we thank you so much for that. And Lord, we pray too that you would forgive us for being a people who have not been on about your saving message. A people who have defined ourselves and our actions separately from King Jesus. And we pray that you would in your mercy make our hearts sing as we hear your message afresh. We thank and praise you, Lord, that you speak and we ask that by your spirit you would have us listen and be changed for the sake of your holy name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.